We're spending some time this morning on Justin Trudeau's testimony before the judge's inquiry into the Declaration of the Emergencies Act, mostly because, well, it happened after our show on Friday, and I know they were able to treat it on the rush. But we've gone the weekend, and I think people are still chewing on not only the very words that Justin Trudeau used from time to time, but his demeanor and the fact that he was there and deposed for four and a half hours, and he didn't exactly fall on his face like some people were hoping. It's a Mulcair Monday, which means former NDP leader and former leader of the opposition, Thomas Mulcair, is here. Good morning, Thomas Mulcair. Good morning, John Moore. That was pretty funny, the way you set that up, actually, because it's true. Everybody on the conservative side, ah, yeah, watch this guy. He's going to dissemble in cross-examination. And actually, he did quite well. Well, and on the end of our segment this morning, we'll talk about this uh, organization and some advice I gave them on the weekend, which is never assume that everybody dislikes your political enemies as much as you do. And so, Ooh, you know, this is why seven <laughs> yeah. years in, I think yeah. it's, it's seven years that Justin Trudeau has been the prime minister and he's yeah. still the prime minister. He's eaten three leaders alive. So anyway, yeah. but let's get back to Friday's inquiry. What did you see? I saw a very solid Justin Trudeau who came in very well prepared. Trudeau is excellent at delivering lines. He doesn't always think of the whole thing himself, but when somebody like Katie Telford and his communications folks sit him down, and this in this case it would have been mostly top-level lawyers saying, this is the road you have to go down. Watch out for this. Don't go far on that. Just the tone he used now. He could have been much more strident in hitting back at how badly it had gone for the upper levels of the Ottawa police, for example. Softly stated, but surely stated, the choice of words, very simple. The average person listening to this understood every single word he spoke. But what he was essentially saying is, look, there's a group of people uh, disparately connected to each other who decided they were going to start shutting down border crossings between Canada and the United States, who had shut down our whole nation's capital. They had grievances. They said that it was about getting together and expressing discontent. They were actually saying they weren't going to leave until the government resigned and they had replaced it. And at some point, somebody had to do something. I mean, that was the essential core message. And because the Ottawa police hadn't been able to do it, and Doug Ford was nowhere to be seen, we got a good chuckle out of some of the exchanges between his his public safety yeah. advisors and and somebody and some on the on the liberal side. They're just saying, look, we had to move in, and so we brought in everybody we could. We used this one piece of legislation we have, and then we were able to bring in. Look, when you look at the front lines the day that this took place, you'll notice that there's a group of riot police, well-equipped. They're all wearing green uniforms, and they don't have any uh, visible badges on them. That's the Sûreté du Québec. They were brought in in large numbers because they're just across the border, and that's the type of thing you were able to do once you had the authority of the Emergencies Act. So the OPP was there in large numbers. Ottawa police, of course, were there in large numbers, and the actual members of that force, the women and men who make up that force, they did a very good job, but it was at the upper echelons that the whole thing had completely fallen apart. RCMP, CSIS, everybody was there. They were able to break this thing down. Some are still trying to say, oh, you know, it was it was overkill. But I think that Trudeau made the case very well that, no, no, this was actually the only tool we had, and this is why we had to do it. I'd add, John, one thing. I think that Mr. Justice Rulo, when he goes through this, is going to say, look, this law was drafted in the 1980s. This was pre-9-11. There's a lot of stuff that's changed in the world, including social media, how people get together, how they behave, what they can do. Maybe we better adapt this law to the reality of today. I think that's going to be one of the key findings.
Do you think that the low profile of uh, Doug Ford and the absence of Pierre Polyev is doing them any damage, or are they best to keep their heads down right now? Well, you know, Ford took it on head on, as is his want, and he said, you're not going to ask me to render accounts to the federal government. I'm a provincial premier. This is my privilege and my prerogative. I still think that as a matter of respect for the rule of law, he should have been there. But he had that choice. The court said, you're a provincial premier. Nobody can compel you to be a witness before this thing, and you're allowed to stay home. I think that long-term, that might wear thin, because when we get Rulo's report at the end of February, there will be parts in there about Ontario that will come back. He'll have his own prepared lines, but I do think that it was a sign of weakness that he wouldn't appear and testify. With regard to Poitiev, it's more complicated, because, of course, Pierre Poitiev was out there encouraging the people who were shutting down the nation's capital, you know, bringing them donuts and coffee and saying they were good people. But the problem was it quickly became obvious that they didn't have the best intentions in the world. And he tried to walk that back. And he'll give a different answer on that today. Oh, well, you know, once I realized what the whole thing was about, I I started, I stopped supporting them the way I had at the beginning. But that was maybe too little too late. I do think that Pogiev's going to wear this thing again long term. Yeah. And without belaboring the point, I guess I'd I'd be curious about your final takeaway. I said on Twitter on the weekend, and then I must have generated 5,000 responses. Um, I'm I'm offering a legal analysis. I don't think the threshold was met to invoke the act. However, I also think most Canadians are perfectly happy with the outcome and don't feel that they were squeezed under the jackboot of fascist oppression. No, if you go back to 1970, when the War Measures Act, which was the precursor of this Emergencies Act, was used, you had hundreds and hundreds of people rounded up in the night, brought to jail. There was a woman who famously was like eight, eight and a half months pregnant, and this is the type of thing that took place. They were never accused. There was not one single person ever accused. And that was breaking down, you know, the the constitutional order and the presumption of innocence. But here it was essentially, could you please move that truck off Wellington? No, I won't. I'm going to stay here until I take down the government. Well, actually, no, you won't. We're going to take you down. And that's the rule of law. I mean, you have to have a country and you don't have a country if you can't even tell people not to keep shutting down your nation's capital. As to the threshold, that's the key question that rule is going to answer. My sense is that he's going to say something like this. It was unnecessary to use it in abstract. Mm. But once you went through the reality of these people refusing to move what was left, this is an imperfect piece of legislation. It was used in an unusual situation. And we should never have gotten there. If the Ottawa police had been able to do their jobs from the beginning, we wouldn't have needed it. But once we got there, we did need it. And I do think he's going to come out with a series of recommendations to update and improve that legislation. And I'm very curious as to whether you've heard of the Conservative Leadership Foundation um, at the behest of Tasha Kirden, to whom I can never say no. I made an appearance there this weekend. <laughs> and then I thought, what am I doing here? The whole point of this exercise is to teach all of the people in this room how to run politics. Yeah, but I think that people like you who are in the media, who have deep experience, should be sharing that experience. You're not doing something partisan. You're explaining how the game is played. And you can imagine somebody in a position like yours, how much information you have. Just that one example you gave at the outset, telling them, don't assume, just because you hate Trudeau, don't assume that every Canadian does. That's why he's in his eighth year in power. You know, And so all of this reminds us 
that winning elections is about political organizing. When Justin Trudeau won in Papineau, smart people who understand politics realized one thing about him. He's a good political organizer. He's a good politician. Forget about whatever you think about his ideas or how he expresses them. But he's a good political organizer, and that's carried him through. Poiliev keeps winning in an Ottawa area rural riding where when the Liberals have a wave, he should easily be pushed out. He's never pushed out because whatever else you think about Pierre Poiliev, this guy is a good politician and a very seasoned political organizer. That's where he came into the game. So this is how you, you watch these guys in politics, the ones who last long and the ones who go far. I think that Trudeau and Poiliev are two people, very similar in that regard. And that's why I don't discount Poiliev because he's that good a political organizer because he's having weekend meetings probably a couple of years out from the election with this minority government. And he's telling people how to get organized, what they have to know and how they can win the riding. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure on a Monday morning. (laughs) Great to talk to you, John. All the best.